There was uh, something good about that video, huh? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Everything you've done. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much. And I, I really feel like uh, we have indeed experienced the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And uh, I'm just so grateful today because I, I just see um, how hard it is to plant a church and then the, how hard it is to have a church with the same pastor for this long <laughs> and how hard it is to even just go a few years uh, as I've watched around me and just kind of pain uh, just so many people that have not gone very far, you know, and just maybe stopped at the, some, some place. And uh, so 25 years is a pretty good, amazing thing. And um, I just feel the need just to uh, also just give thanksgiving uh, for some really specific people, some of which were well, wouldn't be on that video, and they're kind of in our past. And I just felt the Lord put on my heart, and I just wanted to especially honor them uh, for their help. Uh, first would be uh, the Wimber family, and uh, uh, John Wimber specifically, and his son uh, specifically as well, as you all well very much know, the Wimber family, Tim and Sharon, were a part of our church plant. And we'd planted the church uh, one week before John died. And uh, which is really kind of a bummer, but uh, Tim and Sharon were very much a part of the foundation of this that we did, and so was John, simply because of this little thing uh, that happened under his table, as many of you know. <laughs> and then the other thing is uh, Eddie and Janet Piorek, uh, which uh, also I, ha I had an incredible impartation for them, not only in their living room uh, when I was going to a newcomers meeting but also through the years of the Father's love, the teaching of that, and the impartation. And, uh, and so Eddie and Janet were the ones that really uh, heard the Lord. I, I actually, when I asked Eddie about doing this, I held my breath because I'm thinking, you know, and I told him, I said, I ain't, I'm not going to do it if you don't give me a blessing, you know. And then I held my breath. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you could kill this thing right away. And by that time, I sort of got into it, you know, as we were planting the church. Um, it was horrifying in the beginning, but as I got into a little bit, I began to realize, hey, this is probably the Lord. But I had to make one big pass past the tower, and that was, I, I figured, well, if this is really the Lord, uh, Eddie and Janet would say they had their blessing. And so we got it. We got it. And, and uh, <laughs> Eddie has a way of making pauses. I don't know if you ever communicate sometimes. So you tell him something really heavy. And instead of, like me, just jumping up, oh, blah, 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 he just dials back like this. He just dials back, and he just sits there for a moment, right? And I remember telling him, you know, I'm not going to plant this church. If you don't think it's a good idea, you don't think I should do this, uh, I'm not going to do it, right? And I just thought, oh, my. And then I got this instant vision, because by that time, the vision had grown a little bit. I'm thinking, I just put the knife to my neck. I'm not, that I had this vision. I mean, uh-oh, I think I just slit my own throat. You know, this could be horrible. But he just paused like he usually does, you know, he just, <laughs> which is a long pause. And uh, I remember it was at dinner, and it was, uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, well, I think that'd be all right, you know. And uh, that's when it got down to where we're exactly going to do it and when we were going to start, which is in November, right? This is a few months earlier. And he'd even called John Paul Jackson, and we both called him and asked him if he had any prophetic leading on it, and he did just sort of good along the way and everything, but uh, with Eddie and Janet uh, and all spiritual authority, and that's why I mentioned John as well, um, 
I had a special thing that happened at his table, which was uh, quite an amazing thing, <laughs> actually under his table, as you, most of you know the story. And so that was an impartation. I remember him saying, uh, Lord, I receive these two as my sons. The two, after we got up off the floor, we'd been there for an hour or so. And we didn't, weren't even in our right mind after that. I mean, I can't even, I mean, I could hardly walk. And I remember him saying something, uh, Lord, I receive these two as my sons, which is me and Martin <laughs> under his table. So that's how we got into the vineyard. Then how we got into uh, Mission Viejo vineyard was a whole n- another story. But I think uh, authority figures bear authority and they blessed us. And, uh, and I gave, because uh, it was going to be in the same area, I thought, well, you know, if I don't get Daddy's blessing, I'm going to do it, right? Plus, I was a little apprehensive anyway, because I'd already done a church plant, and I knew what went into it, you know, so I was holding the thing a little less lightly. I wasn't, you know, going in there blind. I'd already planted a church in Hawaii before, and I saw what it took, and I knew this was going to be a major decision, right? So I figured, well, sort of like an axe. You've got the edge, you know, you want all, you don't want just the cutting edge. You want the weight of the axe head behind you. And so when he paused, and then he said, I think that'll be all right. And what he said, all right, he says, I think it'll be all right to be in Elisa View, and I think it'll be all right to do it in a couple of months, right? And when he did that, that really put the weight. And so all the weight of that spiritual authority behind us moved us forward in the spirit so quickly. And uh, we began to develop very, very quickly. The first meeting was in that little school, and we had like 40 or 50 people. And uh, I think Chanel said... Uh, the dance studio. We used the dance studio for the kids. This, it was in that school is where we had our first service, and uh, and so we just began to uh, grow immediately. And Rick and Lori Camrath is somebody else I would like to say special thank you. They couldn't be here today, but uh, I I asked him. He was driving all the way from Palos Verdes, and I asked him just to lead worship for that Sunday. And I'd never even heard him lead worship before, but I thought it'd be good because you know I don't know it just. And I'd, he had a good reputation and stuff, and uh, John uh, Barnett had r- recommended him, and so he came and he brought his whole band, which he explained. I didn't even know he's gonna, and he brought the whole band, and it was so good. I said, well, how about next week? Why don't you do it again, and then again, and then again, and then again, like, and he kept doing it, and he did it for years. I mean, a long time. <laughs> and then along with that uh, came uh, John and Marie Barnett eventually as the Mission Viejo Vineyard transitioned, and. Uh, and so they came over, and before we knew it, we had, uh, from the beginning, a few years of our church, we had like four, four or five worship leaders, and they were really good. And I just like to give thanks to Chris and Christy when they came, because they, when they came, they, they, they sort of took the whole thing to another level, and, uh, and level, a level of anointing. And they were with us for a long time, uh, leading worship, and uh, it was just so good. And so we've always had like four or five worship leaders since the very beginning. Uh, we've never not stopped having that since the beginning. It's that way today, even today. And I'm so grateful for all. I'm grateful for John and Marie Barnett, who actually came and led worship for us for several years, as well, and let us use their dance studio at a real critical time. And uh, and then there's another one I just... Uh, Jim and Marianne Nelson, and I think I noticed Marianne there in the back. Marianne, you got to stand. Uh, you don't want to, I know, but there she's right there. So uh, she's our first secretary, first employee, basically. She, I think you came on staff before I did, actually, formally. I mean, uh, she, uh, she was our first, and uh, her husband, Jim, was our first associate pastor, and he was awesome. And uh, he died a few years into our church plant, and, uh, but not until we had a firm foundation, and he pastored and loved everybody that came in that door. I never seen anybody so happy to do that. He was actually a, 
you know, a haircut guy, a hairstylist, but, uh, and so he always had a great personality, you know, f uh, for that, but he liked pastoring a lot, <laughs> and he did a great job, and, and Marianne's been there from the very beginning, and, and uh, so we actually had a lot of really fortuitous things happen in the beginning that were just uh, uh, unbelievable, uh, including the place where we first officed, and that Janice had had um, been walking, we're just trying to find a place to office in Aliso Viejo, and uh, come to find out, <laughs> huh? Oh, she was driving around, and she stopped in front of where we ultimately end up officing. And she didn't know I didn't have any names. She didn't know who it was. He says, I think God told me where we're going to office, right? That, right? And, uh, and whose office was it? Yeah, and Jock, right? Jock Phillip. So it was their office. And we didn't know it. So I walked up to Jock in, at church. It's before we left formally. And I walked up to him in church in Michigan. And I said, Jock, uh, I, said, I told him, hey, we've been office, looking for offices in, the, in, in Aliso Viejo. And Janice thinks she found a good one. I said, you, you office somewhere in Aliso Viejo, don't you? And she, he said, yeah. And, she, and he said, well, where was it? And she, I described it. And he says, that's my office. <laughs> and he said, I've been looking for a tenant because I've got too big a space and I have this big warehouse in the back and you could put all your sound equipment and everything. So that was our first office, also our first prayer room and that fountain you saw in the video, we've always based the church from, if you've been around me any length of time, prayer is a really high value for us. So we've always interceded. But intercession took place all the time, early in the morning, <laughs> me and Jim. <laughs> I remember me and Jim Nelson one time. We'd go early in the morning, no matter what, five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we'd be around that fountain. Sometimes we'd be at Aliso Viejo High School. And I remember one time it started raining on us, and we fell all the way down the hill. We slid. We couldn't stand. We slid all the way in the mud, all the way down to the hill. <laughs> it was really funny. And uh, he kept telling me it was going to rain. I said, "Oh no, I got to rain. I got to rain." Sure enough, it started raining. We couldn't get down. So we had a lot of funny things like that happen. And uh, and I'm looking at Lynn Miller. Thank you, Lynn. You're our first pa uh, children's pastor. And um, you imparted God's love, God's grace to so many generations of kids. It's amazing, including mine and a lot of other people's kids, right? And you did that for so many, many, many years. How many years did you do that? I mean, it's got to be like upwards of recently, right? I mean, huh? Oh, my And you're in your third year in King's Academy. Awesome. It was amazing. So, so uh, I mean, can you imagine a children's pastor? I mean, like, you are still in your right mind, too. It's amazing. I mean, <laughs> how in the world do you be a children's pastor that long? And you did it faithfully. Also, uh, there was another special person, uh, family, Aaron and Lori Lorkey, who are our first youth pastors. I'll never forget them. And uh, they're still in the area and their region, but they were so faithful and uh and, and, of course, uh, Jason became our first junior high uh, pastor as well, uh, Lorkey as well, and he's been hanging around here a lot more now these days. But uh, it was just an amazing launch because they were so really good at what they did. I mentioned Chris and Christy only. They brought a sense of excellence into the worship. And, uh, and also, I, I just looking back there at Bruce Stratton. Bruce, I want to just thank you so much as part of our board and, and the School of Ministry. Uh, it's just been, and not just for one year or ten minutes. You know, it's been a long time. Uh, gosh, how many years have you been doing this school now? It's over a decade now, right? How, how long is it? 14 years, 15 years? 
Okay, <laughs> I can't see your fingers. <laughs> I saw your hand. All right. And uh, Chanel and Deborah, they were on the video, and they've been a part of our founding board as well. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, such a support there in the very beginning, you know, and telling all those secrets, and you kept it pretty well. It has been a really amazing thing. Chanel is just so funny. I'm looking at him laugh, laughing so hard. Because the 90s weren't easy on Chanel and Deborah. <laughs> Even into the early uh, the 2000s, weren't so easy on them, right? And we went to a Morning Star conference, and all this prophets everywhere, and he goes in and gets prophesied over her, you know. And he comes out and he says, he says, they told you, right, what you're going to do. What'd they tell you? They told you you were going to save marriages. And at that point, particular point in time, your marriage wasn't doing great. And I think you've hauled them just basically false prophets and thought it was completely ridiculous. I mean, pretty much. You thought it was the most ridiculous thing you ever heard, right? I mean, I remember it was so, and I thought to myself, that is kind of dumb. I'm a, maybe these guys aren't really pro prophetic, you know, like that. You know, because I thought the same thing went through my mind. I, I kind of laughed. And I'm thinking, he's going to be a lot. Marriage counts. That's amazing. And, you know, and that's exactly what's happened. He's been the last 20 years being a marriage and, and a good one. A marriage and family counselor. <laughs> I don't even want to ask to raise your hand how many have been counseled by him in a marriage or encouraged, whatever. It's all over the room. All right? And uh, so, so that was a very uh, strange thing. And uh, well, I tell you what, that took a whole new meaning to prophecy and the prophets and, and all that whole thing. And, um, and um, there's another person I'd just like to give thanks to his family. And his son was leading up here in worship today. It's uh, Mark Brophy. And uh, Mark Brophy died a few years ago. But Mark was uh, just a fixture in our church for so many years. I mean, he literally was a fixture. I mean, he was there every time the doors opened. For any conference, anything we did, he was the sound guy. He was there day in and day out for years and years and years and years, you know, and he died of cancer. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know if his wife's here today, but not, probably not, but uh, Corey was just leading worship up here, and he's got his grandkids and stuff, and we really appreciate the Brophy family for all they've done. And there's just so many others I could mention here. Uh, I didn't want to mention names because then I was sure to forget somebody important. But if I forgot and you're somebody important, please forgive me. <laughs> go out to lunch or I'll pray for you. Or, or you can pray for me that my memory comes back clear enough. Uh, is there anybody else I should say? Huh? Of course, Bob. But Bob's here. Where are you, Bob? <laughs> Bob, there you are. Well, you see him in those early photos and... Uh, Bob was with me and helped me start a Global Network. And that was in Eddie's office, one of the offices there. So that's where the international thing started. And we just had it, as, and he helped me get it off the ground and everything. And he's been helping every, 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 every little detail of all that since. And then eventually he came and joined us uh, here. And as you know, Bob's a detail guy. And thank God for Bob or our brains would all fall out around here. It's just been so wonderful to have him. And... Uh, uh, I think I was looking back there. Uh, Alan Barano, are you still here? Stand up with your family. Stand up there. Is your son here tonight? Hi, Karen. Stand up. So, Alan, you have. So, in the beginning, was it Jim that came to your door? In the beginning, you know, when you don't have anything, you just start doing weird things like go door to door, and uh, we did. And Alan and Karen came to the church. Uh, 
as a result of one of our first little forays in the neighborhood. Matter of fact, I think you were our first converts or our, at least new members, right, in the church. You said that to me. Isn't that what you said to me? Oh, and AJ, your son was, uh, is he doing security today? No. He's our first, he was our first baby dedication. And now he's a part of our security team and uh, all that. So, so uh, where's that Henri Stephen Hudgens? Is he uh, not a part of the security thing today? He's out in the wandering around out there somewhere. Anyway, I wish he was here today. Where is he? Stephen Hudgens is outside? Uh, have him come in here and take, I want to wave at him. I want to embarrass the heck out of him. <laughs> oh, if you find him, have him come in. All right, that's good. <laughs> All right. So you have to forgive me for a little nostalgic. I think um, one thing I did in my history is I did a lot of studying uh, how churches work at the U.S. Center for World Mission and also at Fuller School of World Mission. And so I just realized a lot of things uh, about churches through the years as I just began to study them. And I realized... Uh, we're just very fortunate. This almost never happens. A church plant that goes this long the way it has. And uh, as I look across the whole framework of our culture and in the vineyard especially, I just see so many aren't doing what we're still doing. And I'm just so grateful that God's given us the ability to continue to do that. And I just got to say one thing about that apart because I think part of our longevity has been that we have really not missed a beat much with being a praying church early in the mornings for many years. And we saturated that, and I just think uh, for your families and for the longevity of your households and marriages and everything, be a praying couple, be a praying family. It's just something, even if you just can get a few words out, doing it consistently is one of the most powerful things I, I would say we've done here. It's just, if you don't have something, you can always pray it in. <laughs> I tell you, that's one thing. And everything that we started, you know, with the church, we've just prayed it in. Everything that we've needed, we're still praying it in. And uh, I was looking at the building picture as we were going there, and um, oh, no, the video there, and, you know, we put stakes in the ground early on before we even owned anything here, and we had a prayer group. Were you part of that, Lynn? Did you do that with us? And we were, some, who else? I don't know who, many, who else. Okay, there we go. We got probably have 15 or 20 of us here in this room. So we went around all the campus, and we took a stake, and we put a stake in each corner of the campus the four corners, and, uh, and we declared these buildings as our own. And we were just renting at the time, and we only had the space as big as like where the poles are going back here. That's all we rented, or maybe a little bit long. No, I think this room, basically. Yeah, we rented this room, and uh, we kept claiming it and claiming it and claiming it. And, uh, and so we uh, we've, uh, eventually were able then to amazingly buy three of these buildings. So we own three of these buildings. And the fourth one is ours, too. It's just they don't know it yet. <laughs> I was looking at it again, again this morning. I, I really believe the Lord wants us to own that building. I, I believe what's happened in the uh, last few months and years, I would say maybe the last couple of years, is the Lord's begun to unfold, uh, bigger and big, unfold bigger and bigger plans uh, for what we're supposed to do in this campus. And one of them is going to be, uh, it's already in motion, by the way, and I say that with all the fear and trembling. I just don't even know how this is going to happen. But I've been there before, so I guess I could do it again. But I do believe that only, only are we going to be having have a fine high school by the time we're done here. And we're already up into 10th grade, I think. You notice all the changes. You're going to see more and more changes. We've been at this from year, planning for like a year and a half. We're now getting into our building phase. 
But I believe that there'll be a day when we'll actually be working as a college. There'll be a college here that we'll run. So, it's, Truth be known, it's already in motion, by the way. It's not like it's going to... It's not like a theory. It's actually in motion as we speak. Just its dimensions and where it goes is the thing. There also, I believe we're going to own that fourth building. I also believe that uh, there will be a gymnasium in there and uh, right in this fourth building. And I also believe, and I've been praying for years, uh, I jumped the gun almost because I didn't think, I thought we were going to put it in there when I lost all my tenants. But then we started building this, this uh, the food thing, you know, the... the uh, warehouse, Mercy Warehouse, and it just began to go crazy. Still going crazy. Just go in there. You know, it's just going crazy, right? And I, I had in my heart to put a gym in there. And that painting on the wall, Jesus saved, was going to be part of it, you know, on the wall, but we're going to have a gym in there and everything. And I had batting cages. I was kidding. It was going to be great. It's going to be a great sports facility. I thought, if I'm going to make it anything, okay, I'm going to rent something. I might as well do that, right? So it never quite made it to the uh, gym, facil- gym phase. And the Wibbersy Warehouse overtook it. And the recession basically overtook it. And so we began to invest that way. And the thing just began to grow, 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 right? So I figure my, I've still got my gymnasium. It's just going to have to go into this fourth building, I guess, right on the end there. So and that's also what I think in the future we're going to do major conferences there. I think there'll be, you know, maybe 1,200, 1,500 people in there. And uh, we're going to do major, and we'll use the gym for other things, but we'll, on major time, days and special occasions, maybe dance recitals and all kinds of things. I've had that vision for years. So that's kind of Christmas uh, future. And um, we've basically almost taken over this entire building now, and we're in a good portion of the warehouse building as well. So I just thank God for all of this. So I want you to look at your outline. I won't go into a whole lot of detail here. Well, oh. God doesn't want me to stop lying, so i got to stop lying. <laughs> All right, okay, well, let's make a deal. We have a bunch of hamburgers and food out there. We're going to have a great time. There are some specific things on this outline. It's fairly brief. I tried to keep it as brief as possible. I just wanted to say and highlight a couple of the videos, and we'll move on, okay? So I call this Treasuring the Treasures of God, and they're just basically a couple of key values for our church, and I'm going to be trying to be done in 20 minutes, so I'll give you a handle. That'll be 1210. All right, so Matthew chapter 13. Um, so in that video, you just saw a lot of what makes us tick, a lot of the values. I think uh, we have called ourselves from the very beginning a presence-driven church. We just want to be driven by the presence of the Lord. But that includes, of course, the two uh, dynamic things which are related. One is worship and the other is prayer. And so those have been extremely important to us today. To have the presence of God, I just think that you have to be a praying and worshiping church. And so we've gone way out of our way to make sure that happened. And God's gone way out of his way to give us great worship people, worship leaders. But worshiping just isn't a performance. It's a heart, right? It's an attitude. And uh, so that's one of these treasures. It says, treasuring the treasures of God. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so that's where the treasure of the kingdom. You sort of have to have everything you sell, everything you have, and go after them, right? And so we are made to experience the deep and abiding treasures of God. They're for everyone, anyone who pursues them. 
God wants us to experience his spirit more and more deeply. We are always people of his presence and power. So this is one attitude thing we've had in the church from the beginning. We are a presence-driven church. So without the presence of God, we don't know what to do. We're like, oh, it's so boring, we can't take it. Because <laughs> the presence of God's never boring. That's why worship's so cool. Because you learn to surf the presence and in, in the worship, right? And so we are a presence-driven church. And by that, if, if God disappears and we can't feel His presence or another, we don't know what to do. We're just sort of like... Um, because without that, we don't have our energy. We don't have the... And even the presence causes you to understand the scriptures. It causes you to hear God's voice. It helps you to know, do this, do that. And all through the time, even right now, the presence of God is so important to us to hear His voice because we're making changes now. It's 25 years later and we're just getting started. <laughs> Honestly, I think the vision of what we're doing is so big. You haven't seen it. To me, it looks pretty good, but not to where it's going to go, where it's supposed to go. It's a lot bigger than even now, right? So to talk, say silly things like that, you have to be drinking something, and it's the wine of the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> and so I've been drinking that wine from the very beginning, and so far, so good, right? On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is why I have my class, and we do it every year, and I have my life in the Spirit class, to make sure that everybody that comes through the door knows that we like the Holy Spirit. We feel the baptism of the Spirit is essential, the immersion of the Holy Spirit, just like these guys, and they... God filled the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's like a hearth with a fire in it, and I never want that fire to ever go out. When that fire goes out, we might as well fold it up, we're done. There's all kinds of things you can do at church, but whatever you do, cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit. If we don't do another thing, that's why we've emphasized worship so much and prayer so much and these things, and the Bible is full of the Spirit of God. Right, So these scriptures that are so important to us and scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit and the scriptures that talk about righteousness. You can't be filled with God and, and be evil at the same time. Right, So we're made to experience the deep and abiding treasures of God. They're there for everyone who pursues them. Right, The same baptism the Holy Spirit offered to His disciples, He offers to us and He desires to fill us over and over again. And um, so Ephesians 5 just basically gives this command uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we learned and have learned through the years. And it was great teaching from John Wimber because when, uh, and the Vineyard Movement because when I first got involved here, you know, I knew all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I just didn't know that there are more dimensions to that spirit. I didn't know there was a love dimension. I didn't know there was a mercy dimension. I didn't know there was a prophetic dimension. I, didn't, I knew there was a speaking in tongues uh, part and, and gifts of the Spirit part, but I didn't know, especially the love, because the door I walked into the vineyard the very first time, and I'm listening to this worship, and I'm watching the people weeping, I'm thinking, wow, this is really weird. This is really different, because I was kind of from Hebrew hoedown. This is the day. This, it's still a good song. Da, 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 da. So we do that. And I thought that was the coolest thing on earth, till I got to the vineyard. And then I didn't understand what the vineyard, man. But they would sing these love songs. And over, everybody in the congregation would be weeping and touched and like, oh man, the love of God would be permeating the places. And I've mentioned that before in different other contexts as well. But this, this uh, 
baptism of the Holy Spirit. He offers to us and He desires to fill us over and over again. So I don't know about you, but I'm for the over and over filling of the Holy Spirit. And even for the future, it's, it's not just one thing, it's many fillings and many touches and newness. And you know one of the greatest things that's happened to us? This whole COVID thing, we're going to find out in the end. It's one of the best things that ever happened to the church. You know why? Because we went back to our roots. We got pruned down to the nub, but new life is coming now. And it's pure life. It's spiritual life. And it's amazing. And uh, I don't want to go through, it's one of those million dollar experiences I don't want to go through anymore. <laughs> I would give a nickel for now, right? But nevertheless, i got to admit, this pruning has done the church well. We're the ones that are going to be surging right now. You watch and see. Maybe some of you might be disappointed. Maybe some of you are happy about the election. I don't know, probably most of you disappointed a little bit. But just watch and see, because the church is finding her pace. There's something that we, there's an energy coming through. Because of all that pruned back and stuck in a corner, I'll tell you what, and, and, and so this filling of the Holy Spirit is something we need over and over again. So Ephesians 5, 18 20, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's anything, uh, if there's anything that we are, it's that right there, right? And so we share this life of Jesus with one another in the world. And if the Spirit disappears and we can't feel His presence, I just think we wouldn't do very well as a church. I don't think any church does very well, but they can pretend for a long time. But I'm after the fire. I'm after that fire. It's got to just stay blazing. And, and so there's things that, uh, uh, that we've done that have just kept that blaze alive. And one of them is not get too offended when it gets too crazy. Because many of you are saying, oh, if the Holy Spirit would just come and fill this place. And 50% of you, if you really, really did that on a major, uh, on a major level, wouldn't like it. No, not me. I would love it. No. Because there's chaos, confusion. You know, these people are speaking in tongues, through, you know, and everybody's looking, what's going on here? What's going on here? It was confusion, right? And then, and I'm not sure how much better it got. <laughs> But that's where it started, you know, with that fire. Can you imagine? Speaking in tongues is the way you start the church, right? Well, how creative God was, right? And He still uses these little things to test us and to fill us. And, and sometimes it's offensive to us. Because if you have too much control, it's too much like you. But when it gets out of control a little bit, that's when God's starting to take over. Just about that point, nobody wants that part. <laughs> because it's too crazy, right? And then start, theological things start, rifts and everything start. But the Bible, this is the craziest book you ever want to read. This is nuts. This whole thing is like, sorry God, I mean, but it really is a little strange. It's supernatural. It isn't meant to be normal. Supernatural, above natural. So like to walk in that is part of the treasure. And sometimes it's very challenging because, you know, when things happen and governing that and all of that. So things have been pretty tame for a while now. In the early vineyard, it wasn't tame. And we cherish, look back in history, oh, wonderful. but a lot of people were very confused and even mad and angry. Kicked out, removed. Oh, but the treasure is there because God's close, right? I want God close. We get to discover deeper and deeper levels of God's love. The same love the Father gave to Jesus the love he off- is the love He offers to us. 
which is an incredible thing. And so for us, love has been such a big part. Not only the wildness and the craziness of the Holy Spirit, I suppose we have had every major healing evangelist, prophet, whoever is anybody in our church, if we could get a hold of them, you know. And the ones we haven't gotten a hold of, we'll eventually get a hold of, by God's grace. And new ones that are coming, and we've had those, and we have all these conferences and crazy stuff happening. And it's just been wonderful. But it's not just about crazy, it's about love. It's about the presence of God. We've just been actually addicted to the presence of God, and we just can't seem to help it. And we built the church that way, and by God's grace, it'll always stay that way. And God will test us on that to see how addicted we really are by causing something nutso to happen, you know, and then we're going to have to figure out what that new thing is he's doing. His mercies are new over morning, so it's like it's a very nice, calm thing. His mercy, and I like to sing it, we sing it in the press church, his mercies are new every morning, you know. The steadfast love of the Lord. And then we, his, and I love this slide, I think the top of his mercies are new every morning. How's that go, Janice? His good every morning, new every morning, great, you know. Yeah, there you go. Who's doing that? <laughs> All right. So we used to think about it nostalgically. But when the mercy of God actually comes, wow. And who comes with it? Every kind of person you can imagine. Sexual deviance, crazy people. People are just like, wow, they're really in a lot of trouble. Because these are the humble of the earth, and God brings them, and He loves to love the weak, right? So we get to discover deeper and deeper levels of God, God's love. Well, when, when you do that, you also find out how much you get to love other people that are very much unlike you. In the Scripture, the Bible says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. And so that's the way I feel like I'm guided anymore. And I just, when I, I didn't know how to, he, uh, I still don't know how, to exactly feed people and take care of the poor and everything. But one thing is my marker is I know that I'm on whenever I feel compassion towards someone. When I feel that compassion well up in me and I don't even know them or I don't know the situation, I just go, I just go, that's it. That's how I know. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He's doing. So the Father loved Jesus and then He would show Him what He's doing. But what He would show Him doing is He put compassion in Him and then He'd go do it. So that leading of compassion is one way you can always know you're kind of on track even when it gets a little crazy, right? These passages that Eddie taught us and that have been such a real part of our church, Romans 8, for example, and 14 to 16, which is such a critical part of us. And because it's just part of the presence, I'm just saying that the presence of God's always been so real to us. But if I could just say the love part of the presence of God has been so uh, foundational for us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive did not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. What a nice thing to cry, Abba, Father. If you really experience that passage, it's scary. I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown for two years crying out this passage, because uh, it happened to me. Abba. Spirit Himself testifies. That's the word for martyrdom with, with, with our spirit that we are God's kids. That testimony that you're God's kids is a strong testimony. That's why I teach it in my class and we do the, all kinds of things 
about the Father's love because the Father's love, when it comes and lands on you, it, it'll break you up in 15 different pieces and put you back together when just the way the Lord wants. And the love of God is the most powerful, dominant thing. And I've always wanted to make sure if there was anything in our fire, if anything, I wanted power and I wanted prophecy. But if there's anything, I wanted compassion because in compassion, not only did you get your soul healed, but you actually get direction. And you know, for the Father loves the Son, shows Him what He's doing. So you also know where to act. You know what to do. And so when a new dimension of love came into me for the homeless, that's when we started doing more and more homeless, and it's getting bigger and stronger. Love preceded it, right? It should have always been there, but I just hadn't felt that compassion in that direction yet, you know? But now it's here with us, right? And it'll get bigger and bigger. And then with it comes wisdom and counsel. God begins to show you how to do things when you're compassionate. It isn't just about a bunch of compassion, but God will show you what to do. He'll give you the compassion for something to go do it, and then he'll show you how to do it. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a little nice broad outline to tell you one A, B, C, D. No, he gives you a heart for it, then you go do it. And then he fills in the blanks. And actually, the church or whatever it is that you do may kind of look like you, but in the end, it'll look a lot like him. <laughs> and then you go, hmm, that was a better idea than my idea, right? <laughs> That's the way love works, right? This love is the love he offers the world using us as his delivery system. Now look at Roman numeral 3. See, I'm moving down the line here. <clears throat> we can expect more of every good thing in our lives by simply asking and receiving it in Jesus' name. Such is the privilege and adventure of all believers using the gift of prayer. You do not have because you do not ask God. Basically, the church culture in America is differentiating from... It's different from most of the rest of the world where the gospel is moving. Is we are basically a prayerless church, which sort of gives you an idea of why sometimes we get in the places we are, even in our culture. So our idea of praying, first of all, is it's just sort of the last resort deal, but it's always the first resort. Jesus said, my house will be what? A house of prayer. And so praying is just such a powerful thing for us Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up, he will not, I tell you, though, you won't get, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. By God's grace, there will someday be 24 hours of prayer going on in some room, some facility, some part of this facility. So we've had early morning prayer for a long time, taken a break, but we're going back to that, but also we're going bigger. Somewhere on this campus, mark my words, there will be 24 hours of prayer going up night and day. So we've been doing lots of prayer for a long time, and I've seen and gathered the results from it, but this shameless audacity before the Lord, if there ever was a time for God's people to be shamelessly audacious, ask big of God, it's right now. And we are in a time, increasingly with regard to the church, where we just can't support ourselves, can't even do business with the normal structures. We're going to need God in a way that we've never experienced before. Because the normal structures, uh, structures of support are coming down all around us. We're not as uh, needed by the world. We're more needed than ever, but in their eyes, right? But our prayer life is going to sustain us. It's going to change things in our culture, in our world. It's going to change things in our individual lives. And so this culture, I want to be a people that's shamelessly audacious in prayer. Extravagant intercession. 
constantly before the Lord, extravagant worship. These are part of the treasures of God. You do not have, he said, because you do not ask God. So, wait a minute, I ask God. But when he says that, you have to understand, when you read it and put it together with all the other scriptures, even that scripture where it says, to ask, seek, and knock. The verb tense is actually, would be better translated, keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. And everything that the Lord told us, he won't give you anything because of friendship, but out of your shameless audacity, he will get up and give you as much as you need. So this shamelessly audacious prayer works together with this scripture. You do not have because you don't ask God. So it's not just that you don't ask God, flippantly, that it's a shamelessly audacious, crazy thing. You won't give up. You won't give up. And we see these miracles in the Bible like that. They wouldn't give up. They won't give up. They won't give up until the answer comes. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody's telling the guy, shut up. But Jesus turned. Hey, I've heard that sound before. That guy's crazy. Man, he's, he's after me. He, where is he? Turns around and heals him, right? Shamelessly audacious. A woman who's like bleeding is going to defile him by touching him. Touches him anyway. Sometimes God played hide-and-seek. He plays hide-and-seek with us. He has through the years with us. But this shameless, audacious prayer is something that's been a fundamental part of us and part of my walk with the Lord for many years now. I just challenge you to walk in that. It's one of the great treasures we've experienced in our church and it's one of the reasons why we've been able to maintain our longevity and I think our freshness. We're 25 years old, but we don't feel old. I don't feel old. I am old. I know. No, 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 no. But I... I don't feel like it inside. Maybe that's the most important thing. I'm not tired. Maybe a little. <laughs> In my spirit, I'm fully alive, though. And many of you are the same way. I'm chasing shamelessly after God. I got big vision. I got things to do. We got things to do we haven't seen yet. By God's grace, there's new things, too. I'm beginning to get the impression because of the same things the Lord's been speaking to me lately. I think we're going to have a college on this campus. It's already started, but I think it's bigger than I thought originally. I do. There's other crazy things like that we're going to do. There's all these plans. I keep seeing the little, like, little blueprints of them. And every one that we've had, every plan we've had, it always just seemed so crazy in the beginning, but it always comes in all these years. One after another, we just pray them through, and they land like planes at LAX. They just keep coming in, keep coming in. And I don't even know what to think of the warehouse. I have no, golly. Just go in there. It's nuts. And what we've been able to touch is nuts. I mean, we're beginning to touch the fabric of this community for housing and, and loving people and feeding them and all of that. And like, look at Peggy over there. And for years, I mean, how long have you been doing that in, over there in that tent? It wasn't in a tent. It was other, in a warehouse before. How many years have you been doing that, you and Alvin? 13 years. 13 years. How many days a week? And how many people have been saved in those 13 years? Over 5,000. How many people have been healed in those meetings where you give out food right out there, out under the tent or outside? How, how many people have been healed? Thousands. You lost count. 62 people healed of cancer. Okay, here's the deal. So where's all that activity happening? It's happening with the poor of the weak, right? So sometimes I thought, I just got to, we even tried it. We'll just move out there. <laughs> All the miracles happen, maybe we can get a hold of it there. But the principle is, yes, move out there. Move out to the highways and the byways where the weak are, where the poorest are, where the people are in the bad shape. And if you want to see healing, go there. Because that's where you're going to see the most of it, right? 
So that kind of challenges you. You go, I want to see healing. Okay, hang out with Peggy. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you'll see healing, right? But it's here too. We see it here too. But I want it more. I want more, right? So do you. All of it. So, and we just keep on moving toward, that, toward, toward those things, right? You have not because you do not ask God. God commissions us. This is Roman numeral 4. Hey, I'm getting there. With holy boldness and power to reveal Jesus to the world. What he does for us, he does through us. And part of the thing he's doing through us is we're not only here, but this church and the gifts that come from this church have been fomenting rebellion around the world. What are you talking about? The gospel is moving. We started with a little movement of churches, funding and helping. 400 is when we got involved. There's 25,000 now. Millions of people. You saw those things. You know, the only reason why I did those crusades? Because I want to know if it was really real, if India had really become receptive to the gospel. And to my utter amazement, standing there, and as far as I can see, either way, people are out there. Thousands, tens of thousands, 50,000, 70,000 people in one shot giving their heart to Christ, all coming in little jeeps from our house churches throughout the region with all their unsaved neighbors. When I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, we are going to be involved in India an awfully long time. And Cambodia, and Thailand, and other mission stuff. That's us. That's us. That's what we're supposed to do. Those are the big things that we can't see, but it'll show up on our record in heaven, right? <laughs> right? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will preach in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and the end will come. We started as Global Network Ministries as a missions agency. That's why I have such a big heart. I just couldn't stand it. I'm just, you know, uh, you know, seeing the ministry amongst the poor in the world was just such an amazing thing. And to be in such a uh, clean Laguna Niguel place, you know. And now it's changed, and now they're come to us. They're right there in the warehouse. And we didn't stop going to them. So we keep fomenting revolution in the world, right? In the strange countries, places I can't even mention publicly, we're still doing it behind the scenes. I just found a very better way to, to finance and do this thing out of a local church than when I was before on my own, just sort of circling like a circuit rider. Now God's using us to the distant parts of the earth. So this last part, there's great treasure in being kind to the broken and poor. So I've already been mentioning this, but I think I'll finish with these passages, okay? This has always been the vineyard's heart. Maybe, you know, I keep, every time I think about the poor, I think of that statue. Here I am talking about that statue again. I'm going to get me a statue. It's right in front of Anaheim Vineyard of the person, I guess it's Jesus, washing the feet. This is where all the action is, by the way, in our area, but also beyond. And uh, so I'll just read these scriptures and we'll be done. These scriptures have become, I'm happy to say, our values. But I want them to go deeper and deeper. And I hope that you get a hold of this because the more you get a hold of this, the happier you're going to be because this is right square in the heart of God, especially in this day in the world. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? That's a very religious thing to do, yes. There's a lot of religious things that require sacrifice done in the name of Jesus. But he says, you know, I'm, I'm, okay, that was good, but I'm after just something a little deeper here. Hear me out, he says. 
Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free? See, every time that you volunteer to pray for someone who's sick, you're doing that. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? What's that got to do with fasting? Yeah, that's what Jesus has in mind. Do the sacrifice it requires for that to happen. But look at the promise of this. And this is what's happening to us right now. i got to say, I, I really believe this all in my heart. And I think this is going to get brighter and brighter. And then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I, I sign up. Oh, that's me. Just me, I guess. Anybody else? Okay, okay. I like this part where the glory, the healing quickly appear. But do you see what that's related to the poor of the earth? So as a church, when we do that, guess what? We get these, this is the result. I'm not dumb. This is a, this is a successful investment as far as I'm concerned. Invest like this and this is what you get. Well, that's pretty good. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. That's pretty good. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Answer in prayer. You will cry for help. And you'll say, here am I. Oh, that's good. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with a pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you how often? Always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I think we did that during COVID. We just turned into a well-watered garden. We just kept on going. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. You'll raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairers of broken walls. I want to do that. Restorer of streets with dwellings. What an amazing vision. And all of it's preceded by what? Provide the poor wanderer with shelter and see the naked you clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Share your food with the hungry. Wow. What a beautiful thing. Not an easy thing. We know that. We've been doing it for quite some time, but we need to do more. And we'll be doing more and more. On distant countenance in our area. And guess what? You sow all that seed and what do you get back on your head? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together, running over. You don't have to do this lifestyle. You get to do this lifestyle. You want to see healing? Just do that. You want to see oppression lift? You want to see major miracles? Just do that. And not just for the people that you're out there ministering to, but for you and your family and your household. This is where all the action is. This is where the action is. As long as we're doing this, we're going to be okay. There's going to be abundance. Isaiah 61, 1 to 9. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news of the poor. That's Jesus Christ himself quotes this passage of the New Testament. It was a question. It was about him. And guess if it's about him, again, it's about the who? The body of Christ. That would be us. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from, dark, prisoners, release from, prisoners for the dar, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oh, how important this. I love the way we counsel. I love all of our counseling. I love all our ministries that do this and all the things, the structures, everything from Celebrate Recovery to all the things that Brent and Aaron are doing and Chanel there's doing. Oh, God loves, if there was ever a time to heal the broken in this way and counsel them and love them and hug them and give them the right advice, it would be right now. And we do that constantly. And we'll continue to do that. 
Matter of fact, we're setting up to do that. We're setting up officing all of us so that we will do this all the time in our committee. There will be constant. Part of all of our renovations is to prepare the new thing. And when you see a man, maybe a few months from now, go take a look because what's being built now in the physical, in these buildings, you saw some of the parking lot out there, all it is is for this vision. It's for this vision. That's, it's so that we could contain this vision. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. In a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair, they'll be called oaks of righteousness, the plan of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and reserve and restore the places long devastated. That's us. They'll renew, they'll renew the ruined cities. That's what we do. They've been devastated for generations. Strangers will flo- shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations. What? Did you get that part? So you do all this sacrifice. You can't outgive God, it turns out. You so and so and so and just keeps coming back on your own head. The wealth of the nation just keeps getting poured on. You'll inherit you receive a double portion instead of disgrace. You'll rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Wow, it just goes on and on. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge they are a people the Lord has blessed. There is great treasure in being kind to the broken and the poor, counseling, loving, encouraging, broken families, broken, I mean, divorces, broken marriages, households, everything from there to the guy on the street, to the mentally ill person, to the marriage that's not doing well, all of this focus, all of this, guess what happens? It comes right back on our own head, treasuring the treasures of God. Amen. All right, let's all stand. So what you saw in the video and what you see in this sermon just been a just brief overview of who we are, what we've been doing for the last 20 years or so. Grace for the next 20 years or so. It's Christmas past, it's Christmas present, and I'm looking forward to Christmas future. But I'm also looking forward to this wonderful compassion that we get to show to the world and find our identity. Some of you will find your identity so strongly in just learning to have compassion for someone near you. All these rewards are for us. We just have to put the cart before the horse, right? We've been doing that for so long. And we didn't know it. We thought actually when we got in these three buildings, it's like, wow, are we going to need all that space? And I couldn't even imagine. I just thought we should get the buildings. I had no idea why. But I thought, okay, well, you know, if we We'll just have some businesses, and then the businesses all left, and then I didn't know what to do. And then come to find out, you know, we're going to actually inhabit every square inch of this space someday. It'll be space that we just use for the kingdom someday by God's grace. So that's the buildings, but that's not really where the action is. The action is in the heart of the people. The thing I love about all these years and passion in our church is the heart. You have instinctively built into you, especially if you've been here any length of time, just this love and compassion. 
and treasuring the treasures of God has been very much inside of all of us, and I'm just so grateful for that. I think what I should do is I think I should close in prayer. I don't think we should do worship. I think we should close in prayer. This people have been preparing for you, and we're just going to throw a big party out there, and I encourage you to stay. We're going to have a great lunch and a great time together, all right? So, Lord, as we go and do that, I just bless all of our people, Lord. This, all that are in this room, all that are watching on the live stream, and all those in the past. And I pray, God, that you would just continue to reward us, bring the treasures of God into this house. I was so blessed to watch Carl and his team just ministering yesterday to the broken marriages and family members. Ah, that's us. But, Lord, what also is us is great reward. So I declare it over every family and household. May the Lord give you great reward. May the Lord heal your own family. May the Lord deliver you from evil. May the Lord give you great jobs and great ways to make a living. May the Lord prosper you. May the enemy never be allowed to steal from you. May God's grace be with you when you go in and when you go out. And may he be on your children and your children's children and their children. May all the generations, may this place last and last as a monument in the, and a living monument to God's grace. May there be living water poured down through the generations, this generation, the next one, and the next one, all through the years. May we expand to the right and the left. May we go the right and the left. I declare that fourth building ours. I also declare the property across the street as ours. I like that. I know what's going over here, and I know what's going over here. Lord, all of this is part of our inheritance, even the street right on to my right. I declare all of that because we're going to need it to do our vision. We need it to do what we're supposed to do. And God, I just pray you would help us with all the things that are coming up, the college thing, the high school thing, and all the teaching that we're doing, all the, every part of this campus, all the increased ministry to the weak and the poor and all the different vantage points you have us from, Lord, to minister to this community. May we always be a light. May we always be salt in this area to this entire region. May grace, great grace be on us all, on our church, Lord, here, on our families, our households, and in the city. May the city of Laguna Niguel prosper and be grateful to God the moment they let us in the door, which they had to let us in the door. I was so great when they did that. Lord, may they always be blessed. And I want to thank you for the city of Laguna Niguel for also giving us permission for all the dreams of our heart to put all this to motion in the facilities now. It's the first time we've received permission to do everything that's in our heart in all the buildings. We just got it the other day, and we're doing it. So praise God. Thank you. And so, Lord, like I said, I just prophesying about the fourth building and the land across the street and all the things you have, and I just thank you for that. I, I, I thank you for the preschool that's coming. <laughs> I, better, I better shut up. There's like five other things like that I, I think are coming. But anyway, in the name of Jesus, and Lord, bless us. I pray anybody that's sick today, you would heal and deliver. I pray, God, this would be a... On our birthday, Lord, this 25th birthday, I pray, God, you would heal people and deliver them. I pray in every way, Lord, you would just bless them when they go in and when they go. May you prosper with your finances. May your children prosper in everything about you. And, Lord, may give us 25 more years, Lord, of grace and mercy. That sounds weird, doesn't it? What's it look 25 years from now? New generations. Amen. All right, good enough. All right, go out and eat and feast. Thank you for coming.